Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. This week from the film festival, Argentinian movie Zama, about a man in the wrong place. Don Diego de Zama. ¿A dónde esperas el trasladado? A la ciudad de Lerma. The Happy Time Murders features someone who really didn't like the Muppets. Someone out there <gasps> is killing puppets. Jerry. What? Have a little respect for the dead. Miss Lunch. And Leave No Trace leaves behind at least one indelible performance. Do you feel safe living with your dad? We didn't need to be rescued. Your dad needs to provide you shelter and a place to live. He did. Hello, I'm Simon Morris. At this time of year, people often ask my opinion of the recent or current, depending where you are, film festival, that parade of wonders and curiosities from around the world. But the bitter irony is that while I'm all too aware of some of the award winners and quirky favourites at the festival, I can't see the films themselves until they return in general release. My brief on this show is to cover movies that are out all over the country, and recently it's been a pretty ordinary selection. What's going on? The 96th floor is on fire. You're going to be just fine, I promise you that. No, 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 no! Tell me, how much do you love your family? There are films about unfeasibly big buildings or sharks or modified dinosaurs. There are remakes of properties that were lucky to be made the first time and films aimed at two semi-mythical audiences, the new middle class of China and the equally elusive older audience that still regularly flocks to movies. There will be no compromise. This is about making President Kennedy's vision reality. Right now, that demographic is being attacked on several fronts. Baby boomer history like LBJ. Music from the likes of ABBA, Midnight Oil and Whitney Houston. And saucy comedies. Most recently, The Book Club, featuring a quartet of grannies getting frisky over trashy erotica. Hi, beautiful friends. I would like to introduce you to Christian Grey. Oh, no. We started this book club to stimulate our minds. From what I hear, this book is quite stimulating. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, what's that? That's not mine. I've never seen that book before, honestly. This is nasty. So as I wearily trudge to the multiplexes for yet more examples of Hollywood's lack of inspiration, I enviously watch the film festival parade go by and hope for better days to come. But of course, better days usually do come soon after the festival finishes, as the best, or at least most popular titles return, nationwide this time. What are you doing? 
We're making um, dream boards. You cut out pictures that have to do with your future, so like houses or pets or jobs, stuff like that. Something to look forward to. They may not be all the best films. There's a certain amount of luck of the draw when it comes to which ones come back. But at least they're better than, well, better than something called the Happy Time Murders. You had some sugar for goofer, friend? <laughs> I just want to know what you know about the Happy Time Murders. Oh, goofer give you happy time. Oh, oh. Ever asked what an edgy R-rated comedy featuring near Muppets would be like? And don't say you've already seen Peter Jackson's rather similar Meet the Feebles or the obvious inspiration, the rather cleverer Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Hey, you don't come at me like that. For 50 cents, goofer will give you a felty. A felty? No. I'll give you what I call the continental hot sock. I don't want anything hot from you. I will need a gallon of kombucha and some oatmeal. But at least this week, Hollywood doesn't have it all to itself. The first batch of film festival graduates arrive, led by the highly anticipated Leave No Trace, which stars rising New Zealand star Thomason Harcourt Mackenzie. Sorry for making you worry about me. If we had a phone, I could have called you. Always been able to communicate without all that. And also out this week, another film that comes laden with critical hosannas and directed by Argentinian art film darling Lucretia Martel. It's called Zama. Señora mía, mi Marta. El gobernador me dice que no falta mucho para mi partida. I'm always suspicious of any film that requires a lot of background reading to get onto its wavelength. And I realised I had a fair amount of homework to do ten minutes into Zama, set in the late 1700s in a dusty backwater of the Spanish Empire. Our unheroic hero, Don Diego de Zama, is stuck in Paraguay and wishing he wasn't. Don Diego de Zama. ¿A dónde esperas el trasladado? A la ciudad de Lerma. He writes letters home to his wife, dear Marta, about how he hopes the next governor will let him return to Lerma in Argentina. His job is a corregidor, a sort of lowly magistrate, and his only chance of advancement is at the King of Spain's pleasure. Miron! Miron! No hay noticias para mí. No, todavía. Now, I know next to nothing about Spain's colonial history, apart from the fact that at one stage the Spanish Empire seemed to include much of North and South America. If Zama is anything to go by, the colonial forces in Paraguay spent much of their time gossiping, having affairs with each other's wives, and worrying about local bandits like the notorious Facuña Porto. Mensaje para Diego de Zama. Han dicho un tal Vicuña. Vicuña Porto entra en las casas y pasa días violando mujeres. But it wasn't just my skimpy knowledge of Spanish history that caused an increasing amount of head-scratching. Zama seemed to only want to give me the bare bones of the story. It took me a while to click that the narrative covers years and years and governor after governor. Hay que terminar con Vicuña Porto. Causa sorpresa un voluntario para una misión como esta. ¿Hace cuánto que está aquí? Mucho tiempo ya. 
And the one thing all the governors seem to have in common is a total lack of interest in Diego de Zama's future. Though occasionally the wife of one of them is prepared to offer a little flirtation now and again. Cuando se ausenta me asedia con mis hijas amorosas. Así que ahí este negro que va y viene con mensajes con este calor. Señora, saber eso me causa daño. But Zama's fate is to be frustrated in love as much as in his career. He gains a totally undeserved reputation as the hero who defeated the bandit Vicuña, a man he's never actually met. But because we're not told very much of what duties are expected of Zama, we're as frustrated as he is after a while. Diego, ¿cuándo vas a volver? Now, generally, I like Argentinian films, but Zama doesn't come from the thriller tradition of the movies I'm fond of, films like The Secret in Their Eyes and Nine Queens, but from a rather more literary source. The novel by one Antonio de Benedetto is considered by some a classic, though I'm told it's not as deliberately confusing as director Lucretia Martel's version. When random characters appear like an enigmatic child carried on the back of a local porter, we assume they're part of Latin America's magic realist tradition. Should we believe the boy when he calls Zama a heroic man of law, or is it all some sort of fantasy? No el Zama de las funciones sin sorpresas ni riesgos. Zama el corregidor. The mood is constantly shifting like a fever dream. Now comic, now tragic as Zama gets more and more stuck. The 18th century clothes and wigs are tatty and worn badly. Half of the servants don't wear trousers, while the setting is regularly spoilt by the appearance of goats and llamas. Señora mía, mi Marta, el gobernador me dice que no falta mucho. In other words, Zama is the sort of film one expects to see at the film festival. Cool, cryptic, deeply foreign, and accompanied by a daunting selection of tributes from critics around the world. It's clearly making some sort of statement about colonialism and also about the futility of unwarranted hope, maybe. It looks exquisite, but it also makes less and less sense as it progresses. My advice, let it wash over you or you'll end up going as crazy as its protagonist. Diego, ¿cuándo vas a volver? There must be something about a career with these squeaky clean Muppets, particularly if your name happens to be Henson. Director Brian Henson, son of Muppet creator Jim Henson, an inheritor of the family business, seems to have worked up a need to lash out at something. I can't think of any other explanation for the supremely grubby Happy Time Murders. I love singing and dancing. 
Hiya, folks! The premise is that humans and puppets live together in Los Angeles, with puppets firmly at the bottom of the heap. In a not-too-subtle nod at America's racial politics, TV comedy The Happy Time Gang was a breakthrough hit for puppets, a community who are famous for liking nothing more than entertaining. 1988. Reagan says goodbye to the White House. Hair metal ruled the Sunset Strip. And a fledgling puppet-run television network hits it big when a charming ragtag group of friends catapulted the network to the spotlight and themselves to stardom. Our cynical hero is one Phil Phillips, a puppet private eye with a chip on his shoulder ever since he got kicked out of the police department. He meets up with his estranged partner, Officer Edwards, played by Melissa McCarthy, when he's a witness to a murder. One of the stars of the Happy Time gang has been shot. You two are the most decorated officers in this department. What do you see? Looks like a robbery gone wrong to me. This wasn't a robbery, this was a hit. Welcome! The tone of the Happy Time murders is as wayward as its title, with the first murder taking place in a sex shop. But before we see the victim being shot in a snowstorm of cotton wool, we have to witness a sleazy all-puppet porn shoot involving a cow and an octopus. Someone out there <gasps> is killing puppets. Gary. What? Have a little respect for the dead. I miss lunch. Your amusement at that scene, and indeed many subsequent similar scenes, will determine how much you warm to the Happy Time Murders, which struggles to decide what it wants to be. Hey, handsome. You looking for some rotten cotton? I'm a woman. That's okay. Yeah, that's even better. Got a good time for you. <laughs> It was probably inspired by the rather more sure-footed 80s comedy Who Framed Roger Rabbit, which at least offered a star, Bob Hoskins, with expressive features. Phil Phillips, despite being ably operated by puppeteer Bill Beretta, is rather short of these, which puts more pressure on his human co-star. To her credit, Melissa McCarthy accepts that challenge. We're going to catch the bastards who did these murders. Because bodies are going to start piling up. You're one of the best damn cops I've ever seen. Oh, well, you're no bag of shit yourself. I... I'm not sure if I'm supposed to say thank you to that. There's plenty of hard work being contributed by other live performers, such as Elizabeth Banks as Philip's stripper ex-girlfriend and the always game Maya Rudolph as the hard-boiled secretary. But the emphasis is very much on hard work. Is Phil in? He's servicing a client. Is that what I think it is? Well, what do you think it is? So, humans and fantasy figures sharing Los Angeles. I've seen it better and funnier in Roger Rabbit, better and more dramatic in Alien Nation, and a better and more charming version of the same plot in Zootopia. And if you're looking for over-the-top bad taste, no-one did R-rated more enthusiastically than early Peter Jackson's Meet the Feebles. Please, God. I know I've been a bad bunny. From Peter Jackson, the director who gave you bad taste, comes a movie with no taste at all. Meet the Feebles, a motion picture that gives all it's got.
I'm not sure whether the intention of the Happy Time murders was entertainment or therapy. After too long in family movies and TV for both director Brian Henson and writer Todd Berger, whose last project was The Smurfs. This pure ecstasy. I'm not doing this. Do it. <laughs> Oh, sorry about your dead human friend, Phillips. Either way, the proof of this particular pudding is the reaction from audiences, and the one I saw it with seemed a little underwhelmed. They wanted to be amused by gags like the too-long Muppets having sex gag, the Muppets doing drug scene, not to mention the bits of Muppets all over the place after yet another happy time murder. Gets crazy, I'm gonna go crazy as shit. God, are you alright? I ruptured my hymen. But despite the best efforts by all concerned, human and puppet performers, it just wasn't very funny. Not nearly as funny as the original Muppet show, certainly. Writer-director Deborah Granick made the gritty, ultra-realist fairy tale Winter's Bone a while ago, starring a young Jennifer Lawrence as an Ozark Mountain teenager looking for her drug-dealing father. It was wonderful in part because it treated its low-life characters with respect and didn't judge. Well, you can say the same thing about Granick's new film, Leave No Trace. It's not a crime to be unhoused, but it's illegal to live on public land. We have found an option. Are we going to be okay here? We can still think our own thoughts. Keep pedaling. Look where you want to go. The two leads of Leave No Trace are Will and his daughter Tom, a couple who decided to live entirely outside the system and off the grid. Though, in fact, that decision is mostly made by Will, played by the versatile Ben Foster, as that very American type, the anti-government survivalist. It's not a drill. His daughter, Tom, played by teenage New Zealand actress Thomason McKenzie, goes along with it. After her mother, Will's wife, died, the two have been living rough in the Oregon wilderness until one day the authorities catch up with them. You alone out here? My daughters are with me. Dad? Let's go. Can you tell me where you live? In the park? Social services take father and daughter back to civilization. They're clearly worried about the safety of the young girl, and it's a sign of the times that we too are concerned that what Will is putting his daughter through may count as child abuse. There's 435 questions. Respond true or false to each question. Who taught you how to read? My dad teaches me. You're actually quite a bit ahead of where you need to be. But Leave No Trace goes to a lot of trouble to upend any expectations we may have, particularly about Will himself, who isn't your standard right-wing gun-nut rebel, just a man trying to deal with his demons his own way. I wake up rested and peaceful most morning. True. My day-to-day life is full of things that keep me interested. 
true. Will and Tom initially, at any rate, go along with the authorities' idea of what's an appropriate way to live, even when it becomes clear that Tom was in no danger, apart from being cut off from the dubious benefits of modern society. I have nightmares or troubling dreams. Was your dad in the service? He was. And while Leave No Trace is in part about the flip side of America's military power, people like Will who come home damaged, it's very much young Tom's story. Like Jennifer Lawrence in Winter's Bone, young Thomason McKenzie takes over the film with her sweetness and total believability. She's terrific here, particularly in the scenes with Ben Foster. What if the kids at school think I'm strange? Because of the way we're living? How important are their judgments? Yes, I'll find out. Along the way, we meet other people who've given up on the 21st century or been given up on and see how they manage to cope. And often they cope by helping each other. There's a wonderful generosity of spirit throughout the film rather than waiting for an official response. Do you feel safe living with your dad? We didn't need to be rescued. Your dad needs to provide you shelter and a place to live. He did. Certainly, Will can get by with the bare minimum of company, and he's trained his daughter to do the same. But once Tom starts to engage with the outside world, she wonders if there's more to life than simply surviving. School is about social skills, not just intellectual ones. I think it might be easier on us if we try to adapt. Wearing their clothes, wearing their house, we're eating their food, we're doing their work. We have adapted. I'm giving you the bare minimum of the plot of Leave No Trace. The title refers to Will's philosophy of moving through life with the smallest of footprints and hiding in plain sight the few times you need to pass through town. First of thousand, on the wall. Pick your things. Did he even try? So I can't tell. Somebody said the but it's not really a story of survival, or not just a story of survival. It's the story of the millions of American people not considered or taken for granted by those in charge. They choose to mind their own business. They certainly don't need help when it's not asked for. Where's your home? With my dad. I don't want to leave. Same thing that's wrong with you isn't wrong with me. guys had it. I don't think we knew where we were going. Leave No Trace is touching, it's thought-provoking, I can't recommend it highly enough, and like many people, I'll be watching the career of young Thomason Harcourt Mackenzie with interest. After last week, I'm loath to jinx her career with the prediction, a star is born, but I don't mind if someone else says it. And, knocking on wood, I find it's time to go. I'm Simon Morris, and I hope you'll join me at the movies same time next week. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. 
For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.